Baragani. <laughs> Y'all should be used to that by now. Baragani. <laughs> Certainly we, uh, we honor uh, the dignitaries that are among us, our honorable mayor, Mayor Dominic Sarno, uh, to um, State Representative Bud Williams, and certainly um, to um, the Honorable Ben Swan, who is former state rep, but uh, is also my uncle and um, an esteemed member of the Swan family. And so uh, I stand on his shoulders today, and we honor him today. Also happy to have here with me today my family, uh, my wife Cynthia is here. Uh, my son Lazine is um, back home from campus. He's a student at UMass, sophomore at UMass. He's home with family. He's here with us today. Uh, my son Micah is hiding back there somewhere. Um, and my grandbaby Maya is here as well. And so I thank God for my family. Kwanzaa is about remembering, reaffirming, reinforcing the bonds that connect us as African Americans to all of the people of African descent. Our families and communities organize activities around uh, the seven principles of the Nugugu Saba. Uh, Umoja, unity, Kuji Chakalia, self-determination, Ujima, collective work and responsibility, Ujama, cooperative economics, Nia, purpose, Kumba, creativity, and Imani, faith. Celebrating this holiday as a family strengthens our global community and it reaffirms our common identity. It reaffirms our purpose and direction as individuals and as part of a great people. As African Americans, we navigate the legacy of American racism and contemporary white supremacy every single day. And we can't make it through on our own. We're all connected and we need one another in order to survive. Our survival and the survival of our community require that we remember who we really are. We're descendants of the creative, strong, courageous, resilient, and proud people who endured the Middle Passage. They endured the ravages of slavery, the lynching tree, with a shared purpose and a commitment to uplifting ourselves and one another. Yet merely surviving was not and is not enough. We were created to become those who not only survive, but those who thrive. Kwanzaa anchors us in that truth and reminds us that with faith in ourselves and in a larger vision of freedom, we with the strength of our ancestors can preserve. After eight years, you all remember the eight years before January of 2017, right? Yeah, y'all remember that time. After eight years uh, of the country's first black president, there's been a white lash that has resulted in 46 minus one sitting in the White House. A lot of people woke up on November 9th of 2016 wondering how did somebody like that get elected? 
but he's not the root of the problem. He's a symbol and a symptom of the problems that have been here in America all the time. People were asking themselves why so many Americans would vote for a man who is unapologetically racist, sexist, misogynistic, Islamophobic, and xenophobic, and the answer is simple. A lot of people voted for him because they share his views. And he did a great job normalizing those views in such a public way. Some have argued that most of his supporters were motivated uh, by their economic concerns rather than bigotry. But honestly, I don't buy it. It wasn't just about their economic situation. There was a New York Times exit poll that showed that his supporters identified immigration and terrorism, not the economy, black and brown folks taking their jobs, not the economy, as the most important issues of the campaign. Uh, yeah, immigration and terrorism are both about race, it's about Mexicans and Arabs and Muslims, even though uh, the director of the FBI told us that the most dangerous terroristic threat in America are white male supremacists, they still paint it with a black and brown face. And now some of those people feel emboldened, emboldened enough to put their hatred and ignorance out on Front Street. On a weekly basis, I get threatening calls, calls that they're going to lynch my family and burn my church and and they're going to kill me, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. They've been emboldened to put their stuff right out on Front Street with no inhibition. There are no filters necessary. Uh, they, they do it straight with no chaser. It's out there right now. And in this era of political madness and mean-spiritedness and racial and religious scapegoating, continued and expanding police violence, obscene inequities in wealth and power and mass incarceration and extensive and needless poverty and proposals for mass corporations and immigration bans and apartheid walls that they want to build and national registries of suspected and stigmatized peoples and all of a sudden they want to take off uh, white nationalists off the FBI's list of important things and create black identity extremists as the problems in America. Uh, they, they want to expand their relentless resistance to justice. In a word, there is a pressing need for we to create an ethical agenda speaking to the critical issues of our time. As the descendants and the memory keepers of the victims, the resistors, the survivors of the Holocaust of enslavement, the racist savagery of segregation and the continuing systemic violence of various kinds, we cannot and we must not find ourselves willfully inattentive, uncaring, and inactive in such a crucial time. Certainly, we've got more to say and we've got more at stake uh, than we've ever had before. And I'm glad these young folk are in here today because they are the future that's going to carry this mantle and that's going to carry this flame. Now, 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 I know we have a lot to say about the racial politics 
of the Republican Party, but can I take a turn right here for some of you lifelong Democrats? Uh, it's quiet in here, but I ain't scared of none of y'all. We cannot remain silent or sit on the sidelines or mindlessly accept Democratic Party pablum and placebos out of some misplaced sense of loyalty given our history as authors and heirs of the black freedom movement. We got to understand that we want more than crumbs that fall off the table. And listen here. Uh, I, I, I quite frankly am tired of them having an agenda for everybody but us. Uh, yeah. There are specific agendas for gays, specific agendas for women, specific agendas for hunchback and people with long necks and big feet. Uh, but then when you get to talking about a specific agenda for black folk, Everybody gets a sudden case of amnesia, and then they want to lump us in with everybody else. But no, if we are going to be your most loyal voting block, if black women are going to be the ones that stem the tide of racists like Roy Moore getting into office in Alabama, then you're going to have to come up with an agenda that addresses the issues and the concerns of the people that you want to boil your party on to victory. And so the African-American ethical vision and agenda must be reaffirmed for at best it's most expansive uh, when it is a national and world accomplishing agenda that's anchored in the ancient African ethical imperative uh, of healing, repairing, and remaking the world, making it more beautiful, making it more beneficial than we inherited it. It's a modern expression that's found in the words uh, uh, of Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune who taught us that we must remake the world. The task is nothing less than that. Uh, this task is challenged, is reaffirmed by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who assures us that if we wage the righteous struggle for freedom with courage, dignity, and love, when the history books are written in future generations, uh, the historians will have to pause and say there lived a great people, a black people who injected new meaning and dignity into the veins uh, of civilization. Amen. This is our challenge, overwhelmingly this is our responsibility and this task and challenge finds itself reaffirmed again in the philosophy of Kawadi in the sixth principle of the Nguzu Saba Kumba which calls us to do always as much as we can in the way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it now there are some who say they want to make America great again and we all know what they really want they want to make America white again and not just white again but make America the way it was in the 1950s 
when there were whites only water fountains and blacks couldn't eat at certain places or work at certain places or live in certain neighborhoods when women accepted sexual harassment on their jobs because they had no legal recourse when signs in public spaces were written in English only and when grown men had to endure being called boy and being treated as children and could not retaliate they want to take us back to a time when America was great and my question always is when was America great? Was it great when it was committing genocide against Native Americans? When was America great? Was it great when it was enslaving Africans? When was America great? Was it great when it was whipping and lynching black people all across the South? When was America great? When it was oppressing women and uh, when it was taking advantage of children and putting them in sweatshops to work so uh, corporations could make more money? When was America great? When it was colonizing other parts uh, of the of the world? When was America great? When it was dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? When was America great? And why would any of us want to go back to any of those eras in our history? No, I submit to you, my brothers and my sisters, that America has the potential to be great and certainly has the potential to be much greater than it is today. And so what should be our goals as people of African descent? I'm glad you asked. The violence that is being inflicted and the permission given to others to commit violence is just beginning to emerge. Our mandate has not changed. We've got to organize and end all state-sanctioned violence until all black lives matter, until black people are free, no one else can be free. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We've got to show solidarity with undocumented brothers and sisters. Uh, we've got to stand against police violence and the proclivity for the powers that be to cover up police abuse. Uh, uh, I know I understand we always start with a disclaimer and say that we know that most cops are good cops, but may I submit to you, a quiet cop is not a good cop. Mm, I know it's quiet in here right now. Uh, but when you can watch injustice happen and you can say nothing about it, uh, uh, then you are just as guilty as those that are participating in it. We need every bad cop, every cop who lies on a police report to cover up abuses, every cop who turns a blind eye to the corruption weeded out of our police department. If need be, we need to take to the streets. There's a place for protests. Uh, and I know some of y'all think that those days are over, but sometimes our voices need to be heard. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King understood this when Dr. Martin Luther King said the riot is the voice of the unheard. Uh, some Sometimes when they won't hear you, there's only one way to get them to, uh, to hear you and to grab their attention. You see, my sisters and brothers, bigots have been emboldened. 
Some are saying whatever they want to people of color, to immigrants, to Muslims. There are people who want to be our allies. There are people among our white brothers and sisters who genuinely want to be our allies and want to help us in this fight for justice. And I say unto them that you've got to be just as bold by confronting and calling out white supremacy and racism when you see it as we are. You cannot sit on the sideline when grandma is spewing it at the Thanksgiving table. Mm-hmm. When Uncle Fester and Uncle Bubba are, uh-huh, are spewing it, you've got to confront it wherever it is. No matter how ridiculously insane things become, my sisters and brothers, we cannot normalize it. We cannot accept it. We cannot normalize crazy. And so if we're going to be self-consciously um, honorable to the best of our ethical tradition. We're obligated to engage in courageous questioning, moral reflection, audacious action called for in these critical times. We're obligated by history and heaven to bear witness to truth and set the scales of justice in their proper place among those who have no voice. And that is to say the vulnerable, the poor, the disempowered, the ill, the aged, the infant, the disabled, the stranger, the refugee, the prisoner, the have-nots, the abandoned and the needy, the indigenous, the native peoples whose lives labor, lands, water, forests, orchards, and other resources were mercilessly plundered and stolen by corporations, occupying countries, people, and oppressive governments. And so we are to rise up and stand in active solidarity with all those whose voice, value, and visibility have been diminished and denied and who struggle against all odds to end their oppression. And we must practice an independent politics where folk cannot depend on our vote simply because of their party. We've got to practice an independent politics that's rooted in a profound and primary commitment to people and principles, not to politicians and parties. Say that one more time, Bishop. I think I will. It's got to be rooted uh, uh, into people and principles and not politicians and parties. That is to say a primary commitment to our people and others and to principles that represent and reflect the best of what it means to be African and to be human and to lead us toward the just good in society and world that we want to bring into existence. Finally, we've got to build and rebuild a movement that prefigures and makes possible that just and good exist in the world. This means we've got to build on, intensify, and expand the black mass political mobilization, organizations, demonstrations, rallies, interventions, and confrontations that are already in motion. We can't sit idly by and wait for trouble to knock on our doorstep before we get involved, but we've got to get involved right now at this very moment in time. We've got to get into the process. We can't diminish the active contribution and experience and insight of others and then we've got to empower our young people that understand uh, uh, that this day and time did not drop out of the sky willy-nilly that the freedoms that they have came on the backs uh, of those that came before them Uh, it came on the blood uh, the sweat 
and the tears and the lives of those that came before them. Before you could stay at the Marriott and the Hilton. Before you could go to Harvard and to Yale. Uh, somebody sacrificed uh, so that you could be where you are today. Uh, and you are a continuing part of a much longer story. And you've got to reach back into the past. Grab the stories of our ancestors and understand what they went through to get you to where you are right now. And you've got to continue in honor of their memory and of their legacy. They didn't go through what they went through so you can walk around with your pants hanging down so you can get on TV and cuss one another out so you can act like you got no home training. But there is a legacy of black excellence uh, despite everything that they brought up against us we rose to the top in sports in medicine in science in every single field of endeavor when they thought they had us down we reached back and we found power and strength from a god that was bigger than america from a god that was bigger than white supremacy oh they brought us here and they forbade us how to read uh, but they messed up uh, and some taught us how to read but they taught us how to read from a book called the Bible uh, oh my God and they taught us the passage that said slaves be obedient to your masters uh, but we turned over to the Old Testament and we read a story uh, about three Hebrew boys uh, in a fiery furnace uh, Shadrach, Meshach uh, and a bad Negro uh, we read about Daniel in a lion and we understood that God did not desire for us to be in bondage, but God desired for us to be free. And so our ancestors stood up, uh, straightened their backs up. Uh, and Dr. King said, a man cannot ride your back uh, unless your back is bent. And so our challenge to our young people today is to straighten your back up uh, and stand up like you came from kings like you came from Queens like you came from the people that gave you math and science from the people that created the pyramids from those resilient and strong black and brown people that brought us the meaning of struggle and surviving and then young people we've got to understand that we cannot throw away our seniors God calls the young because they're strong but he calls the old because they know the way uh, going there can't tell been there how to get there uh, and so you've got to reach back to those ancestors those wise ancestors that already lived through those turbulent and hard times and you've got to glean from their wisdom and together uh, we can bring about uh, a day and a time uh, where the seven principles of Kwanzaa can be actualized in our community and we can move forward and we can go higher into a day and a time where black Black lives will matter and we can be a free people.